Energize, the Lawn Friend Podcast is brought to you by Hustler Hollywood, your one-stop shop for all things erotica, with 11 stores across the United States. Our sexy shelves are stocked with DVDs, books, lingerie, vibrators, butt plugs, lubricants, fetish gear, and bachelorette party supplies. At Hustler Hollywood, we know that sex is free. We only sell the accessories. If you're at our flagship store on the Sunset Strip, located across the street from the world-famous Rainbow Roxy and Whiskey, mention Energize and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous. LF and LF, Lawn Friend and Larry Flint, energetically connected for more than 30 years. Scotty, Energize. Energize. Energized Lawn Friend Podcast. I've got some jasmine tea, homemade. Thank you, Sherry Klein. I'm back at the house of Jeff Young and Sherry Klein, somewhere in the sandy flats of Las Vegas, Nevada. It's windy like a motherfucker outside. Winds of change are blowing. Obviously, have you listened to the news? Where's the jet? What the fuck is wrong with the Russians? Uh, okay, Los Angeles, you had a 4.4 earthquake. Talk about a collective panties in a bunch reaction. Okay, I was born in Los Angeles. I lived there my entire life. I lived through the February 9th, 1971 rumbler, through the, through the Silmar quake. What was the one, Jeff, the other one you said? Northridge, baby. Yeah, Northridge, and and then the uh, the January twentieth, nineteen ninety four, which was a big one. We were in Culver City, and I remember just the house started just rocking, and and Joyce says, "Go, go, 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 cover up Megan," because she's afraid that my daughter was going to get hit in the head by flying blocks or toys, or she had all these Disney items in her room and stuff on the wall so i did i covered her up and stuff was like whoa and then i went out to the car yeah i remember this man we power went out phone went out so i took my cell phone i had a cell phone in 1994 wow so i went out yeah i had i had a nokia i remember and i called my mom and she and i said i'm all right we're okay <laughs> and but this, uh, like, this was long before social networks and social media, and now where where everybody has to to tell every single emotion or or occurrence in their life from minute to minute. It's the most transparent moment in human history. Did you feel that? Just go online in the morning. Did you feel that? Did you feel it? Did you... everybody is? Did you feel it? Oh wow! What a way to wake up in the morning. God, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, look what people are going through around this around this planet right now. Can you just stop for a second, take a breath? But that's where we are. We have to express ourselves every minute of every day. 
There definitely is no mystery and no secrets left. Well, there is one mystery. What happened to the Malaysian Airlines aircraft? I saw this YouTube clip. <clears throat> Hold on, I have to put down my jasmine tea. I saw this Malaysian, I saw this clip on YouTube about this this kind of Star Trek geeky guy, Twilight, postulating on what happened to the flight. And this is freaky, man. He, he, he shows a frame. He's talking. And there's a frame from the episode called The Arrival, the Twilight Zone episode, The Arrival, which, which I posted on Facebook shortly after the plane disappeared. <clears throat> this reminds me of this Twilight Zone episode where Sheckley is the, is the uh, FAA investigator, and he he's, hasn't been able to solve one, one disappearance of one Jet of one aircraft in his entire career, and that was the flight that got lost from Buffalo to New York. <laughs> and then there's this metaphysical stuff. It's obviously a mental, it's a mental breakdown. But the flight was never found, and this flight may never be found. So this dude on YouTube is he 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 does this numbers thing. And he shows the numbers on the wing of the of the plane. Now, remember, the numbers changed three times if you saw that episode because each person was seeing a different reality. But one of the numbers was 329.970. Okay, so 329, two, two, excuse me, 239, I think 970, whatever the flight number was. And those lined up, six of them was how many people there were on the Malaysian aircraft and the number of the flight. Hey, I don't know. So, um, God, what's up? Okay, well, I, I was back. I was in my, I was on my low rent rig last week because uh, Jeff and Sherry were going through a, a departure. Their uh, Sherry's dad, Ralph, he uh, he left this mortal plane last last week. And part of this show is going to be dedicated to him because I sat in this living room not too long ago when I had my dad on the show. And Ralph and my dad kind of hit it off because they, they're from the same era when my dad played here in the 50s. Ralph was a bellman at Tropicana Hotel for 37 years, right, Jeff? Indeed. <laughs> my co-host, Jeff Young, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Good evening. Glad to be here. I w where's Sherry? I don't know. She's uh, Sherry. We want to talk to you. I'll have to track her down. She's somewhere in this. Yeah, she's somewhere in the studio. Yeah, she's somewhere in the. So uh, we're gonna, you know, play some tunes tonight that evoke that era, the era of Ralph, and a couple other ditties are gonna world premiere. Uh, a magnificent duet that Jeff and Sherry did together, uh, covering a classic. <clears throat> and I'm going to just, well, confess some stuff to you. Here's what I'm going to confess right now. You know, why, why do you, why do we, why do we create certain things? Is there a irony or synchronicity to why we create certain things? Could you lift my mic up a little, Jeff? Indeed. Uh, it keeps dropping. Like it's limp. And <laughs> It's it's a metaphor for something. 
Oh, watch out. Watch your foot. Here's T now. So here's what I'm, so I, this, a year ago, okay, so we're two or three weeks from my year anniversary, from the one year, from the 52nd show of Energize. And when I started on this, I had no expectations. Mike Stark, my producer in San Pedro, who's, you know, really the one responsible for getting this out of whatever living room or bedroom I happened to be in and transporting it across the airwaves, the the ether to the to the universe of of 12 <laughs> i love to be self-deprecating with regards to the size of my audience because it fluctuates anyway as we, we approach a year and here's what i discovered i've had a, i've been having personally an energy problem for several weeks now maybe months and i, I finally you know had to go see the healer the magic man and I, I have what's known as adrenal fatigue. And it's, it's, it's tricky stuff. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a mystic to a point. And I'm not really into conventional medicine, not after watching my mom die of cancer in the hospital. But whatever it is, I'm, I'm attacking this with holistic mind and... Uh, super focus because I literally have had a hard time with my energy for months and you just face your, you got to face what's taking you down and then just defeat it. So isn't it ironic that a year ago I settle on this name for a show energize and the whole year I've been losing my energy. <laughs> Dr. Young, how does that resonate <laughs> Usually it's supposed to flow the opposite way. Yeah. The well, words you emphasize in your life, you would think that the energy would increase, but... I'm supposed to be manifesting, mm -hmm. and the use of words are very important to me. Being a writer, what's more sacred than the written word? So words, they're powerful. For some reason, it's had the opposite effect. So... There's I can't tell you how much in, longer we're going to be energized. Yeah, there's some lesson in there for you on that note. Yeah, yeah. I just thought the name was a good play on, you know, was that the Star Trek thing going? And oh, wow, there's so much uh, challenging energy in the universe right now, in the world right now. Are we really? I mean, do you really believe that we're going to have a war in Europe? over territory have we not evolved as a race beyond that Perhaps no we have not. not no you know why because it's still about the buck in whatever form it's still about control power money all the things that we're supposed to grow over get over oh here's one of my away from get away from release here, our attachment to here's one here's what here was a line i put on facebook today somebody I think it was uh, uh, the DJ at 97.1. What's her name? Oh, man. She posted a comment. Joe Elliott said that the earth, that Joe Elliott said that the earthquake in Los Angeles was Gene Simmons dropped his wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry, you want to come sit with me? Sure. Sherry Klein. I know that's okay. This is 
Okay, so I'm going to give you like the first ever on-air hug of condolence. It'll last a year pop. Okay, this is this is a real hug. Ooh, that's right. So you're you're feeling it out there. I got a kiss on the neck. I was aiming for your cheek, but sorry. <laughs> when my mom passed last August, I knew she crossed over when I heard the owl outside the window, and it was it's a, it was a very powerful story where we took her ashes to the desert, and then the day after, in the oak tree. And she died in a hospital called Los Robles, yes. which means the Oaks. And then the owl showed up. <laughs> so what's, with Ralph, he was so much part of your life and he was such a character in your life. I can't imagine that Ralph is going to somehow, in your dream sequence or someplace, he's going to show up yeah. sooner than later and tell you in his own cosmic way. That he's all right. Yeah. That he's fine. I believe that too, and I know that to be true. I had that happen with my mom as well. You did? And another loved one of mine. Yeah, they came to me in a dream, and it was so real that there's nothing that anybody can say that can tell me any different that it wasn't real. I know it was a message, you know? Yes. And uh, I got one little message actually from my dad. Uh, I'm a Reiki master, and one of my best friends, Julie's a Reiki master. Right. And she went a level notch above me where she can teach it now. Uh-huh. And so I was so distraught. She came over here, bought plant and card, and, right. and she asked if she could do some Reiki on me. And I said, by all means, yeah, yes, please. And um, so, you know, you always kind of wonder sometimes if you make things up in your head or if you're imagining things in your head or if they're messages. Kind of when you get that intuitive notion, you know, but I'm going to believe that it was a message. And uh, so my dad's brother passed at 104 years old the day before my dad's birthday, which was in October. And uh, I've had a lot of relatives and loved ones pass on. So my dad had siblings all lived to be 95, 96, 104. My dad was the last one at 90. Anyways, during the Reiki session, I heard... My uncle say to my dad, because he always called him kid, yeah. you know, because he was so much older. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, hey, what took you so long, kid? And I heard laughing. They're like, yeah, join the party. And, and then I heard my dad say, well, heck, if I would have known it was going to be this good, I would have kicked the bucket a long time ago. So <laughs> I'm going to choose to know that that was my first little message already that life is good on the yeah. other side for him. Well. I've had two lucid dreams of my mom since she passed. The first one. And they're both in both dreams. She's about 26 years old. She's radiant, young, and up to she was 19 when I was born. And she and and sparkly. This first one, there was still fear vibration in the air, but I could see that she was kind of like trying. This last one, she was like really like. Giddy almost. Didn't talk in either yeah, one. Didn't say never anything. Spoke, never spoke. My mom never spoke either. And and it was it was weird. But but I but I don't lucid dream that often. I mean when I, I mean I I used to float. I don't float anymore. I haven't for a long time. I think I'm gonna float again soon enough because I have to do a lot more meditative work mm-hmm. to get through my adrenal fatigue issues, get my energy back so I could write the third book and and have a successful career again instead of wandering through the desert with a bunch of rockers. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not such a bad thing, really. Oh, 
they're like, Rudy, how does it feel? Well, we we are invisible. We got no secrets. When you see somebody pass in front of you, yeah. you saw your dad depart, didn't you? You were in the room. I was, yeah, I was right there with him. Can you oh, can you tell the minute where like? I mean, there's a machine and it's pumped and then it's gone. But could you get a feeling that he's no, no? We took life? him off the machines. We took him off of everything. So he I knew say, he was going. Get he, him off of it. Yeah, just this is not him. Yeah, and uh, like one eye was open, one eye was shot. But you know, basically they gave him the morphine. I was like, give him yeah. that. And but he's, you know, gasping for you know air. Yeah. And then I just. And I just told him immediately because the guy said it could be hours. It could be right. we don't know when he's going to go. And I said, my dad's going to go right away. Yeah. And he went within like two, if two minutes, three tops. Like he just went and he was so ready. And I told him, go. My sister told him to go. And yeah. so I told Jeff, I go, I wonder if he was just like hovering around like, oh, Sherry, I wish you wouldn't cry. You know, just watching everything so he could just take off. You know? Do you know how happy you made him? that you found this young fella in the last year and that mm-hmm. he had he he had a house which was full of love and energy good good mm-hmm. vibrations that yeah. made him that made his last year kind of rocket how else could he get buster the the fortitude to go to disneyland with you guys that at was 90. his idea that was yeah his but that's idea. nut tell me tell the teacup story go on your mic and tell the tea, so, tell the teacup story of the 90 year old man at disneyland jeff's challenge is that so I'm when so we played stubborn and my dad's so stubborn so yeah you have to when we went story. to nam we couldn't leave him here this has been three's company here in the house it's been sherry myself and her 90 year old father so it's a little bit different plot than jack and the girls on three's company but you know, we had to go to Nam, and I had to play the Randy Rhodes and Bonzo Bash. So we decided, and it was very it's fortuitous and serendipitous that Sherry's sister lives in Santa Maria and got this week with him. We dropped him and the two mutts off. Yep. So our dogs, yeah. Tallulah and Wolfie, and Dad stayed with Jeannie and Carlos, yeah. uh, Sherry's sister and her husband up in Santa Maria, and we went down to L.A. for the rehearsals and did the NAMM thing. But the plan was, and we made reservations months ago for Jeannie on the last day Sunday of NAMM to bring Dad down, and we were going to blow off NAMM and go to Disneyland. So we take Dad, and we get first, we get him the electric cart, and he's running into people. He's running into us. He ran into me four times. He's just like, we had to take the cart away. We had to take him back to the rental place. And decard Jeff him and, and I, put him in a Jeff wheelchair. Jeff and I went on Space Mountain. I knew my sister didn't want to go. My dad, of course, wasn't going to go. Not. She goes, we're going to go do something else. We'll meet you back here in an hour. We're like, cool. We meet him back at a little landmark place, and he's in a wheelchair. Like, what happened? She was like, I fired him. And he was just running into stuff. And <laughs> I had to deal with that at Home Depot and the grocery store. Oh, dude. Oh, my No, my mom got in God, one of those at yeah. Walmart and was running Every in. Every time. She was on Ativan. It was like the last the time she oh. ever went to a store with me, like three it's, days before no. I took her to the hospital. And she goes, I want to ride on one of those. I want to use one of those. I've never done that. I go, all right, get on there. <laughs> and then, and she's blazing on Ativan. And she's right. And she knocks like right into like macaroni and cheese boxes and stuff. I go, Barb, what are you doing? She goes, what? <laughs> you called your mom Barb? Yeah, I called her Barb oh, for cool. almost 30 years. Because my cool. friend Peter Weiss, when we were teenagers, used to come over and 
he called her Barb, and then I started calling her Barb. It's cute. I know. Yeah, my my uh, best friend used to call her mom and dad by their first names too. It's but cute. in third person, since she died, I've been referred to her as mom. Um, I guess out of respect. I don't know. You miss her, yeah. My dad was actually good for the most part driving those things, but he liked to ride. He had to be right up on somebody's ass in the line, like right, like where they couldn't move. So he was running into random people, including all three of us. So we eventually just cut his wings. We took the electric cart away. Now he's in the wheelchair. Now his wings are clipped. We got him in the. So we're. But we got the handicap privileges, right? We can go cut through the lines. So the bad news is like four of the best rides. Be careful going to Disneyland because four of the best rides were closed down that day. No, it's a small world after all. That's definitely no submarine. A bunch of the rides. I mean, Sherry and I were going to make out. That was our biggest thing to make out. And it's a small world after all. And we're denied that. Right. And so we get dad in there. We're cutting all these lines on the rides that we can get in. That was the best part. But he can't go on many rides like Sherry and I can go on Space Mountain, but he's not going on Space Mountain. You know, but it was kind of a thing. So we didn't know how it worked because I'd taken my mom so many years ago to Disneyland and she had the wheelchair and it was like a lot easier access than it was this time with my dad. This is 14 years later. And we roll him up to the teacup ride and there's a long ass line. First of of all, the teacups make me sick. I can't believe he even wanted to go on the teacup. Well, I didn't tell him it was good. I said we wouldn't spin. He didn't really know. Yeah, he didn't really know what ride it was. Yeah, you make him go around fast. So we cut the line. We get in there and there's four of us. There's myself and Sherry and her dad and her sister. Well, we had to and if you've ever ridden the teacup ride in either Disney or Florida, I'm sure it's the same in Florida. It's not the biggest teacup, and we didn't plan ahead. Right. The it's time it took to get job. her dad, they had to hold the line. Everyone's watching us, Cute. arms folded, shooting daggers Mom, at us kids. as just the four of us go out on the go out on the uh, the area where the teacups are. Get they have to put a little stool up for dad. It takes him like two minutes just to get in the teacup, right? <laughs> and to off. sit oh, down. Then we get to, her yeah, sister they were in. So mad. No, wait, but while we're yeah. trying to get him in the teacup, he's like, What do we? I don't even want to go on this thing. And I'm like, Dad. And the workers hear this. There's a line. I'm like, Just get in it already. We're shamed to turn around because we oh know everyone God, in the line crazy. is just so shooting daggers at us. We're cracking up because my sister, her knees, she's next to my dad, their knees, we all can't fit. So now it's all knees touching and there's no room. So as soon as they cram all four of us in the teacup, they wave their arms and shake their heads. You can't ride like this. So they take Sherry and me out of the first teacup. Put us in the second teacup. More time, TikTok. And we're free. We're free to ride. That was the walk of shame, walking to yeah. the other teacup. We couldn't look at other people. Well, you're listening to Energize the Lawn Friend podcast, which is tonight a travelogue, a travelogue through the heart and the life of Ralph Klein, Sherry Klein, Jeff Young. Lawn Friend is your host. Hey, why don't we play some Beck? He's got a song called The Heart is a Drum from a new record, which is beautiful. And then we'll come back and we'll talk some more about things that matter. Energize, Lawn Friend podcast. Circle in around your iron will 
Sometimes it just turns out that way Oh, Monday morning You gave me no warning Of what was to be Oh, Monday, Monday How could you leave And not take me Every other day Yes, it's Monday, 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 March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. You're wearing a green shirt, Sherry Klein, and I'm wearing green pants. Jeff Young has no green on. Green so he's, eyes. He's going to get eyes. pinched. Oh, green eyes. All right, that rocks. So here's the we're talking about numbers while that song is playing. Why? Okay, so um, we're 11s. I'm an 11 person. Here's, here's the 11s. I'm born on the 29th. Two and nine, born in 1956, five and six. I was born at 11.18 a.m., add them up, 1181, it's 11. <clears throat> My dad is, uh, was born in 1929, in 29, 29. First time I came to Las Vegas, when I came here during the desert exile of, of 2003, I was 47 and he was 74. When my dad turns 80, when my dad was 80, it was 47 and 74. It was like 11-11 reflection when I came here the first time. Now I'm back here. Um, my dad's going to be 85 and I'm going to be 55, so I'll be 30, 58, so I'll be 13-13. <laughs> now here's the mamas and the papas thing. Here's the mamas and the papas thing. Uh Mama Cass Elliot died on my 18th birthday, July 29th, 
two and a half years after the big earthquake in 1971, which was the motherfucker. I was living on Buffalo Avenue, and there's a Buffalo here in Las Vegas too. Yeah, you're really close to Buffalo. So, um, yeah, Buffaloes. And uh, all of this means nothing, or it means everything, just like the cooing of the owl or the lucid dream or the, or, the, or, or the images you see on the stucco wall or the drawing in the sand means nothing or everything. Where is, Mala- where is the Malaysian aircraft? Where do you think it is, Sherry? What's your theory? Because when there's a mystery, no one can be bound by silence. Everyone's entitled to a theory and an opinion. We're not scientists. My daughter thinks aliens. I do too. And I'm starting to think it too. Yeah. That it was just snatched. And that's another Twilight Zone episode. Triangle snatched. That's another Twilight Zone episode in the sky opened where the three guys are out in space they fly, they come back, and then each one of them starts to disappear because they're not supposed to have come back. And all reality, they're erased from the memory of man by each each person, each one of these uh, pilots that disappears. See, it's like Rod Serling could see all this stuff, but these are this was this is science fiction. But what's what's really happening? It's such a vast ocean, but there's so many weird things, man, about this particular. Uh, case the, the complete lack of any like nothing it, it, like like it's never existed like it was gone like it flew into a black hole yeah like was it on the on the radar and off the radar Boop. there was another twilight zone where they take off and then they fall off the radar they disappear and 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 they end up the astronauts end up crash landed in Death Valley back on Earth, and they think they're on an asteroid on another planet. <laughs> oh, so it's an ongoing theme of what I'm thinking because my life is like a long Twilight Zone episode. As to say nothing of the fact that my mother's favorite episode was Willoughby, and that Willoughby was a metaphor for death because it was where peace and serenity finally came. It was the town that that. Uh, that the business executive, that the insurance, that the salesman wanted to get to because he couldn't handle real life. My mom hated real life. She wanted to be in Willoughby. All right, enough of that. I've talked about this too much. So your dad was into Frank, Dean, Tony. He loved the the guys, the same guys that my my father. Shecky, Shecky, when my dad told the Shecky Uh Green story, was great. Now... What do you know about what your father did at the Tropicana? What do you know about 37 years as a Bellman? Did he tell you stories as a little girl? No. Did he come home from work and say, you'll never guess who I took care of today? You know, he might have, but my brain shot, so my sister would probably <laughs> remember more of that. No, you don't? <laughs> do you have any tales that he's passed on to you? Oh, here we go. Yeah, okay. actually, there's one, and... I wish I had his best friend Bobby here to really tell the story. I was so lucky to have them reiterate the story for me a couple years ago because okay. my dad moved in with me. But I guess there was a Jamaican lady, and uh, somehow she was talking to my to her friends, which my dad was one of them. I don't know how the story arrived, but she was going to make them all some pot brownies. A Jamaican lady 
in Las Vegas. Worked at the Tropicana, worked at but the not Trop. as a bellman, but I don't even know Somewhere what department. Somewhere else on the property in the hotel yeah, she worked. And she friends. offered to make pot brownies for your, at then, still in his 80s, right? Dad? No, no. This is my dad was in. How long ago was this? This was in 1984. Okay, so 30 years ago. So he was in his sick. He was barely. He was like my age, 58. Yeah, he was rocking it still. Yeah, still rocking it. Okay, so. But my dad wasn't into drugs or anything. Beer, you know, he loved his beer. I have a story about that. But um. Anyway, so I guess she brings him all the pot brownies and. Who made pot brownies in the 80s? I well, don't know if she did or, or if she got it. But, you know, Jamaican, I don't know. Yeah, so, Jamaican. Yeah, ganja man. Yeah. So uh, anyways, now, a lot of the days during the week, my dad and my sister and I would watch Benny Hill. Benny Hill. So Great show. I remember it as a child. Yeah. So anyways, this particular day, so I'm going to go back a little bit. My dad was laughing so hard. He was falling off of his recliner chair. Me and my sister were looking like, like, it's not that funny. What's wrong with you? So finally... 30 years later, I get to find this story. That he story was stoned out. on pot brownies when the he was watching Benny Hill. The brought him all to work at the Tropicana, told all the guys, do not eat these at work. Wait till you get home. They're like, screw it. We're just going to eat them here. And there's so many different stories. I can't remember for each of them that there was four of them that, that ate them. But my dad, one of the stories was he fessed up. We were watching the Benny Hill. And that's why he was laughing so hard. And uh, <laughs> it was just so, like, to know that my dad did that is just so funny to me because he was a straight-laced guy. It's possible you know? that Benny Hill is one of the, like, true unsung heroes of British comedy. Uh, an unsung uh, unsung hero. He's so influential. You look at so many modern comics, uh, the slapstick kind, the, like the genius skit comedians. You know, that was the same year as Monty Python. He was doing something just a little more brash. And he made it okay to be a perv. He made it okay. Totally. He made it okay to be a and perv. It was funny. And it was funny. What it, it was in a, he had an innocence about his per his pervness. <laughs> All right. It's the Lawn Friend Podcast, Energize of Benny Hill. I think my energy's rising. <clears throat> We're gonna listen to a classic from way back. Uh I'm gonna keep Mike Stark guessing. Ah. Let's listen to some Dean Martin, okay? How's that sound, Sherry? All right. <laughs> Everybody loves somebody sometimes. Everybody falls in love somehow. Something in your kiss just told me my sometime is now everybody find somebody someplace there's no telling where love may appear something in my heart keeps saying my someplace is Then every minute, every hour, every 
Energize Lawn Fan Podcast. Did you hear the la- very last part of that where Frank goes, ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because he can't believe that he actually sang doobie doobie doo. That the chairman of the board, that the man who got Kennedy laid in Palm Spring was singing doobie doobie doo. <laughs> Bless Maybe you. Maybe it was after Thank he you. smoked a doobie. He, Maybe he was eating the brownies that your dad was eating. <laughs> Oh, boy. We're honoring the memory of Ralph Klein tonight. We're playing some tunes. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I don't have much hope that Brent Muscat from Faster Pussycat's going to show up because he never returned my text today, and he didn't return Jeff's text. And I live a life of detachment. I have no problem. He's a good guy, and I'll see him at the next Sin City Center yeah, show. Andrew Dice Clay already busted your nut on this one, man. You're you're broken. No one can, I'm no broke one can throw you now. Andrew Dice Clay yeah, apologized so profusely yeah. for flaking on me one night. But we didn't. It wasn't. Okay, last week we couldn't do the show because of the unexpected, well, the, the tragedy you guys had to go through. So I had to do it out of my apartment. But then the, the, the then I, I said to Brent, we'll do it next week. He goes, cool. That's all I got. Was, he's, a, he's a man of very few words. <coughs> so I tried to, I guess I probably should have given him more notice. You know, he might still show up. He has the address or not. I mean, really, is it that, is it like as important as what's going on in, 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 in the Balkans or, or Crimea or, 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 or out in space where the, where the Malaysian flight has been hijacked by Steven Spielberg, special effects director. <laughs> How many people on that flight though? I didn't hear details. 239, two th- 227 passengers and 12 crew members, 239. Yeah. That's a lot of people wow. missing. That's a lot of families. Do the, do the numbers on how many people living humans those 239 connect to. They have no closure. They have no closure. There's extraordinary pain and frustration. And it looks like a circus over there because of the media is involved. And then the Malaysian government, nobody's used to this. Nobody really knows how to handle this. They don't obviously don't have the technology like we do here in America with our high-end iPhones and everything else. They they must be a little bit old school. And they're getting help from all over the world. Here's another thing. We're in the eighth day, and the entire world and all its technology technological resources are have been called to bear, are helping in this the entire planet, all the civilized countries. And it's still can't find it. Is still can't find it somewhere over the Indian Ocean, maybe, or. They'll probably throw the the plane back so it make it look like oh, it was really out there in the ocean somewhere after a while. It's it's. Uh, it's part and parcel to the times we live in now where reality is not just getting a paycheck and and having a green beer on St. Patrick's Day. There's more to it. There's more in the fabric of what's happening out there. By the way, Cosmos is so kick-ass. We, we love it. it. Yeah, we've seen the people. Boy, that evolution show last night. <laughs> How about just the way they go into the eye? How they explained where the eye came from. This is what 
you know, it's so it's they make the show so easy to so palatable to easy to understand, but they're in such deep analysis of the things that we take absolutely for granted. Mm -hmm. They did like 10 minutes on the eye, the amphibian eye, the, the, then how it evolved into the simian eye and the human eye and how, what a miracle of technology the eye is like, Hey, let's, let's get some, the, the most the brilliant Caltech scientists to make the, uh, to build us an eye. No, no. Who built the eye? Like, oh wow! Because you do, because you have to start to think quantum. This is what happened to me in the late nineties. I started to think quantum, like break it down. It's all chem. It's elements. We're all elements. We come from the same cosmic pile. I think aliens just totally. It's everything traces back to all roads lead back to aliens, man. Well, do you remember the, the book? first created Sims? this. Sims, that gay, that oh, game my daughter Sims. used to love the Sims games. Well, that's what they're doing with this, probably. We're just somebody else's game. My ex-wife's really into the Sims program on her iPad mini. She's way into it. She likes, nurtures these families. And I hear them. I hear the Sims, when I'm at the house, I hear the Sims noises. They're just making noises and I've shit. Never seen it. It's so weird, dude. It. It's alternate reality stuff. Yeah. Who has the time? I know. I don't. Well, know. I, I I got time because I'm working on my energy. I'm go. waiting for the muse. I sit patiently every day, and the muse isn't necessarily, you know, a female. The muse is the incarnation that which inspires the artist to create. This is what I'm been patiently awaiting because I know I have to do something more than what I've done. Right it's there? not just like being the editor of Rip Magazine. <laughs> Great. That'll look good on my tombstone. Lawn friend, editor of Rip Magazine. Well, dude, what else did he do? Uh, well, he wrote Life on Planet Rock. Oh, that was okay. He wrote a sweet demotion. Uh, I didn't, I never saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> He was really into Family Guy and Cosmos and Twilight Zone and 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 he 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 meditated and he he did yoga and he Kundalini rose and it bitch slapped him and he didn't know how to handle it and he kept making friends and losing losing cells. Doing his radio show from Jeff and Sherry's couch every week. Yeah, <laughs> as we're heading towards one year. Well, we're gonna have the year anniversary probably. And then, who knows? I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be on these airwaves. Uh, I live moment to moment, week to week, freak to freak, and geek to geek. It's it's a it's a mystery. It's all a mystery. It really fucking is. I looked at the moon last night. Mm -hmm. Did you see the moon? It had a golden ring around it awesome. what after watching cosmos i left my brother's house because i don't have a tv and i walked out and i just and there's that desert wind blowing and you look up in the sky and you see that moon yeah. and, and after you if you've got the cosmos in your head and you're looking at the moon you're going oh yeah there's there's just so much shit going on we don't have a fucking clue what about how the moon was even made on that cosmos i didn't know that's how little particles 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 yeah yeah. There was some kind of a discovery today. It was on NPR, like Big Bang discovery. Like someone discovered something that is like 
enormous in the figuring it all out category. Really? <laughs> yeah. You have to check that. Just Google it. We're in a Google world. <clears throat> <sighs> wow. Okay, so I want to play another song. I want to play a song that Jeff and Cherry recorded. Now tell us the story about Wild Horses. It's another magical story. Okay. Would you expect anything less? No. I don't hang out with non-magical people. Indeed. They're boring. So we met March 4th. It's not long past our one-year anniversary of you, meeting each other on the doorstep of Vamped, believe you, it or not. You were strangers in the night. We were strangers in the night. Exchanging glances. We have some guy on our YouTube page serenading us with that what very song. You can find it. You'd be sharing love. I'd be sharing sharing. Before the night was through. There it is. Okay. We met a year ago, March 4th, on the steps of Vamped. She was on walking Sahara. out of it. We we were arranged to meet my <clears throat> friend, and we it happened that our paths crossed, and so we met her at Vamp. Long story short, I moved here. We met March fourth. I moved here June first. That's right. Fast. Dude, you were in L.A. because we were doing. Uh, you were on my second to last show. I did your second to last show in North Hollywood. Uh huh. At LAFX Studio. And it was the night the Kings were playing. Yeah. And it was the season that they won the Stanley yeah. Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, uh -huh. two years ago. Year ago, I was. They didn't win the Stanley Cup. They won the year before. Anyway, go on. So I fell in love with this woman. Fell in love. This goddess. Doobie doobie. And li didn't know at the time she sang. Then her friend, your friend Angela Young, said, "Oh, by the way, she sings." I was I was scared. a little bit scared at that point because you know, so you meet you meet the girl or, or your partner. And she, they have a talent, a quote unquote talent, and it doesn't prove to be. Anything worth talking about, and then you're in this awkward situation. Oh, you did great, babe. Luckily, I went and saw her play, yeah. a little club here up on Sahara, and she was stellar and lots of range and dynamics. And you know, one thing led to the next, and within a few weeks, she said, I want you to sit in with my band. She has a cover band that does uh, three sets on Fridays and Saturday nights. And I've always wanted to do this song. And my band won't learn. I've done it to a track, but my band, it's an open G tuning. So it's weird for a band to do this Rolling Stones song. It's in a weird tuning, open G. <clears throat> do you want to do this song? So Wild Horses, of course, I checked it out online. I don't know why I'm so connected to this song, first of all. Okay, first let me tell you a little synchronous tale about this song. There, there have always been rumors about this song that, Mick, that Keith Richards wrote it with Graham Parsons while doing heroin in 29 Palms in Joshua Tree. That rumor persisted. It was in the back, the back annals of Rolling Stones folklore. <clears throat> so I was in 2004. I was or five. I was at Rolling Stones Metallica at uh, Pac Bell in Northern California, and the Metallica hadn't played together in a in a venue together since the some kind of monster thing so they opened for the stones for two nights and i was that's there. not bill no it was because it was a hometown show and the stones just reached out and said hey you guys want to just have some fun and it was amazing i was standing on the ramp talking to kirk hammett when mick walked by us and he goes have a good show man and kirk went thanks mick and then kirk turned to me and went Dude, that was awesome. 
like a kid. What year was that? 2005. Okay, so I'm I'm I know I knew Michael Cole. He, he was a golfing buddy from from my elite golfing days back in when I had a Spence account and used to play Pebble Beach every year. I was he he ran the Rolling Stones tours from Steel Wheels all the way through not this tour cuz they they changed but the one before this last which I think was the farewell tour of the Rolling Stones. <clears throat> And I'm hanging out with him. I'm just kind of like following him around backstage. He's, you know, I got a lamin and stuff. And, and I go, Michael, can I ask you a question? He goes, sure. He's Canadian. You know, he's from the same village that Bob Ezrin and Getty Lee were from. They're the same age. Okay. They're from the same village, Jewish village in Toronto. He goes, sure. And, 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 and Michael Cole's career started when he booked Genesis into a club in Toronto, Canada. And he goes, I knew I, I, that's that was going to be my life when I saw Peter Gabriel on stage in 1970. I think it was. Hey, who, who wrote Wild Horses? And he says, Mick. I go, really? It's not because they both get credit on the. I, and Jack he, and he looks me right in the eye. He goes, Mick wrote it, guaranteed. And I said, How do you know? Because Mick told me. Yeah. <laughs> That was the end of that conversation. <laughs> it was like, cool. <laughs> and what's the sad synchronicity today? Mick Jagger's girlfriend mm -hmm. hangs herself in her Manhattan apartment. What? She, um, girlfriend, I've, it's been in my newsfeed all day. Oddly enough, we're playing this tune today that he wrote. So we're going to send this oh, tune, yeah. which you recorded together. So we played it as I, as I was leading up to that story. Yeah. yeah. We played it at her gig. I came up with this arrangement. We were playing it on a Saturday night, and I came up with this arrangement. I said, I started listening to it on YouTube. I said, okay, it's a little slow, and okay, this, that, and the other. I said, and I started thinking to Sherry's personality. I said, what if I change the groove, make it a little more sexy, like a Sade kind of a, a little bit world yeah. rhythm to it, giving it this little odd shuffle. Uh -huh. And I did that, and I taped it on that microphone. Yeah. And I sent it to her over the internet. It's not like one in the morning. I go, do you like this? And she's like, I love this. So we did it that night for the first time. And that's the first time we ever played together. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, on our YouTube channel at jeffyoung.tube on our youtube.com slash jeffyoungtube. You can see the very first performance. As soon as we did it that night, I said, we got to take this in and record this for real. We happened into a great studio here in town, Vegas View. I enlisted the help of my buddy Brian Titchy on drums who's from a, White Snake, who's Billy a genius Idol. chameleon who can yeah. play anything. Yeah. But then on bass, we had to have the killer rhythm section. We yeah. got Rick Fierbachi, who's famous for his work with Stevie Wonder, yep. Shakira, and most notably and currently touring and playing with friggin' drum impresario Billy Cobham. Billy Cobham. This guy is a bass player, and we've already we've got these guys on another track. It's unreleased you have yet. Fusion yeah. chi going here. We fusion. got a funk track with these two called "Go Funk Yourself" that is about to come out. It's called "Go Funk Yourself," <laughs> and they played on that as well. But the first thing we all did together was, this, was Wild, Wild Horses. Horses as a group. I had them play on an instrumental, okay. but Titchy on drums, Rick Fierbachi on bass. That's a good rhythm section right yeah, there. We went in the studio, tracked the thing, sent it to LA. Yeah. Titchy put on the drums, sent it to Rick. He yeah. put on the bass, sent yeah. it back here. Sherry did the vocals. Yeah. We mixed it. And we're trying to finish the video right now. We're doing like a slideshow part video, slight and we slide finally show. just got to sing it live mm -hmm. for the first time at Vamp, which was Saturday night. 
the day, the night my father passed, he passed just a few hours, hours after that. I kept having to kick him out of my head while I was, was singing the song because I didn't want to choke. Last song of the night. We last brought Titchy out Titchy because the dicks were opening or were headlining. Moby dicks. We opened for them at Vamped at Danny Coker's Club. We did an acoustic set with Jim Bay and our bass player and his wife on Jim Bay and Shakers. But we wanted to do this for the first time. Titchy's in town. Of course, we're going to do it. So we all listened to the track. We never rehearsed it. We just went out and did it. I had the guitar on, acoustic guitar on a stand like Steve Howe used to do. Sure. And the I had the electric on so I could jump into the lead, as you'll hear on this take. And we did it. The people loved it. We played and we weren't. We were literally on the way home dropping off the guitar tech, our roadie cat. After the gig. When the hospital called and we said, you better get over here. I mean, it was right on the heels. It's almost as if he knew this how big this gig was. It was our first Last, big gig in yeah. town that he hung out and made it just a few hours past so not to upset her the week we had to do this show. My yeah, dad's last crazy. words for me was, sweetheart, I love you. Have a great show. You and Jeff have a great show. I'll see you later. Oh. The last thing my dad said to me. Because when you went to the hospital, it he was all, he couldn't yeah. speak. Yeah, he had already, he had. Yeah. So you you came right out, literally, out of the gig, and for the next 24 to 48 hours, it was, you were in the no, zone. You no, were in the, the next six hours, he was gone within a four to six gone, hours. Gone, gone, after you got off the stage. Yeah, we didn't get to bask in the glow of this gig. We were literally, yeah. we went to the hospital. Uh, well, they I left us sitting there for an hour. There's some kind of alignment there yeah. that's sort of sweet, uh -huh. really. Yeah. Indeed. And he hung out. Yeah. He heard the tune. He might have already actually even been there, too. Yeah, it was. You know, he, he was hovering. There, he was hovering. All right, let's take that. All right, let's listen to Wild Horses, Jeff Young, Sherry Klein. This is Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast.
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, St. Patrick's Day 2014. That was Jeff Young and Sherry Klein playing their their passionate rendition of the classic penned by Mick Jagger. Wild Horses. And we're sending that out to uh, Mick. You know who I read online is Tommy Ray Brown, who's uh, James Brown's, the last the last wife of James Brown. And she's part of that kind of L.A. scene, the rainbow scene. That, she moved here. Yeah, she lives here. And she she posted recently that a documentary is being made of James Brown's life that Mick. It's, it's made, and I saw the trailer. You and it did? Looks and Mick produced it. He, I didn't know that. Yeah. And because she was sick, because she's really broken over this, over his uh, his girlfriend's sudden departure. A- again, a mystery. Why would a beautiful woman who's hung herself, hung herself by a stocking? Right? Don't women usually take pills? Like that's so uh, weird. Um, I never judge people that make these sw- uh, quick departures because you don't know what they are dealing with and how dark it gets and the long dark night of the soul can be an excruciating thing <clears throat> what demons they have like why in the world would someone with all that hang them what a, what a gruesome way to, to go and and it leaves behind so much for their loved ones to deal with and process but i i just my heart breaks for that kind of those kind of things. Whether you're a celebrity or just, you know, the guy working at the 7-Eleven, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's tough. So here's what's so great about doing a podcast on Skype from Jeff and Sherry's living room. Dinner gets made for me while barbecued steak or organic from Whole Foods. I'm getting cooked for while I'm on the, on the air here. God, I mean, pinch me. Gratitude. <laughs> so, Sherry, did you sage the house? Not yet. I didn't. I have some. I want, I just, you I, want to stay in the aura for a while. Yeah, yeah I understand. I feel it. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't suffer here or anything. You know, no, no, no suffering. That's beautiful. I love your candles and stuff. And yeah, we got the clean energy. Yeah, flowing in the house. It's yeah, yeah, good. man. We got the grill fired up. Yeah, it's just... like we're gonna feed you tonight. Yeah, well, you know, how do you rate, Mister Friend? Well, when when I'm doing the show in L.A. at at Mike Stark San Pedro L.A. Radio st- Studio in Los Angeles in San Pedro, we usually uh, have uh, I have spinach dip from the from the uh, Ports of Call restaurant <laughs> prior to going on the air. And that's about the extent of it. Oh, and they have a, and some veggies, uh, broccoli and cauliflower, uh, and some bad cheese dip. That's that's usually it. Although sometimes I'll have a turkey. We'll have a club sandwich. Food is not. Food is becoming more essential to me because I'm being very restrictive with my diet because I have to attend to my adrenal fatigue. And it's all about what you put in your body. Remember that. And here we are living in a town where the home of buffets. And what's just more damaging to the human body than buffets? Oh, man. Okay, so I got a text. Here it is. You know, I share everything with you because you're my audience and I love you. Okay, this is from Jason. He's uh, Sin City Center's manager. 
So he says, oh, Lon, I'm really sorry. I, I, I couldn't get this together. Brent said he didn't know it was a sure thing, and he didn't check his cell. I've been in bed sick most of the day. Honest, heartfelt text. Brent seems legit. Seems legit. I know a lot of people that, you know, I, I send Steve and Tyler a text like every couple of days, and I go a week before he responds. Sometimes he responds immediately. But last night I got one like three in the morning. Oh, he responded to the text I sent him a week ago. Sometimes people are, especially people of you know, notoriety, their boxes fill up and they they select which they're going to respond to and which they're not. Who the fuck? I'm, all I'm sending are musings and quotes and things. I'm not sending anything like, hey, man, I need you to do something for me. I, I don't ask anybody for nothing because most of the time they're too busy. Like, hey, hey, Steven, when are you going to do my podcast? Oh, man, you know, I've been so... I've been so busy laying in the sun in Maui, enjoying my house, my, and 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 all the tourists that bri- walk by my wall and peek over. <laughs> I don't know. Once again, I don't know what their, their lives who are has like. Who the time, man? When you're Stephen Tyler. Yeah, who has the time? I spent a lot of time with him between in '09 when I was working on his book, and I went to the fair with him. The Hoptington State Fair in New Hampshire. And I talk about this in Sweet Demotion. Try going to the fair with Steven Tyler in his hometown. It's it's like being with the president. And and what's so cool though is that everybody knows him. And any of the people that 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 may not know him, everybody takes a double take and they they say to themselves, That's not that's not who I think it is, is it? Well, wait a minute, it is. And then, of course, they have to get their picture. And it's all weird. It's part of my journey. Part of my odd journey. Okay. There's another song I was going to play for Sherry. Sherry, I'm going to play another song for you. Oh, she's cooking my dinner. Barbecue steaks. Okay, here's the song. It's I just was listening to my shuffle and a mud crutch song came on. That's Tom Petty's project, which is really fun. It's a really good record. Um, And the title jumped out at me. It's called queen of the go-go girls. And she was a dancer, not quite a go-go girl, but you were a dancer. It's a Tom Petty song. It's a Tom Petty song called queen of the go-go girls. And then, then I'm playing this for, this is for Ralph's daughter, Sherry, and then I'll come back and I'll wind it up and 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 be thankful that we made it through another Energize Alon Friend podcast. And high fidelity. High yeah. fidelity. Shadow. 
Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Hello, 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 all travelers, time and space. Lawn Friend is here. I'm your host, high cholesterol, low expectations, and now I realize I'm 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 adrenal challenged as well. I'm imperfect. You're all perfect to me because however many are listening, you have to be listening or else you wouldn't be hearing me. So thank you. Thank you for following me on this experiment for, I think this is the 50th show. Yeah, go figure. I'm going to throw your steak on the Barbie now. Oh, thank you, Jeff Young. Most thankful to Jeff Young and Sherry Klein for their hospitality this evening. Okay, so I read you the text from Brent. I'm going to nail him down for next week. Phoner, I'm going to be back in San Pedro at the studio. High tech, high fidelity. Mike Stark behind the glass. And uh, I'll have some surprises. They're always surprises because I never know what the fuck I'm doing from week to week. Oh, Sherry, don't break anything while making my gourmet meal. And uh, you've tuned into uh, the Energize the Lawn Friend podcast. I want to send prayers out to anybody who's suffering. Anybody who lost anyone, may they cross over peacefully. Special shout out to Ralph, who's still floating around this house. And he left behind a beautiful daughter. You probably would have been her son or uh, son-in-law someday. Yeah, he, was. <laughs> he already looked at you like you were a son-in-law. Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah, he, he got mad for Jeff calling him daddy-o. Because it just- I called him daddy-o. Like, like the like beatnik daddy-o? No, like, you know, back in the... Yeah, daddy-o, beatniks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, daddy-o. Hey, daddy-o. 
He didn't like he, that. He didn't like it. He just thought it was like, he thought it was hip hop or something. Oh, no. We're like, no, it's cool. It's back in the olden days. <laughs> he didn't like daddy or dad. He just wanted me to call him dad. <laughs> Okay. I never called him Ralph. Did you, you call him Dad? Mr. Klein, what? At That's first all right. I call him Mr. Klein. Hey, you know what? The yogis have a saying: "We are nothing but the memory we leave behind." You have to roll that around in your brain and in your heart for a few minutes. We are nothing but the memory we leave behind. So, it points to whatever we're doing here on Earth is irrelevant unless. We have made an impact in the hearts and minds of people who we've, whose paths we've crossed while we're here. So it's not a solo journey. We're so bringing true. everybody into the mix. So true. Right? So we're all together. We're, we're, we're the tree, just like, just, just like Neil deGrasse Tyson said last night, we're the tree. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I love trees, man. I do too. And, and did you see he showed the oak tree? Okay, the oak tree. That's where the ho- the owl was cooing yeah. the night after my mom's ashes were scattered because there was an oak tree outside her window. I have oak. I'm an oak person. I'm an oak. And the Ents were my favorite characters, the tree tree beard. I'm White Limba. Cor- I'm White Limba, What's that? a.k.a. Corina. Corina Wood. Oh, okay. It's yeah, the we wood all that have- Albert King's Flying V was made out of that same. I'm going to say I'm curious. You're what? Sherry. Sherry the cherry, cherry wood? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got wood. And I hope you do too. This is Energize the Lot of Fan Podcast. One more song for Ralph as we dis- as we disappear into the night. Thanks for being with me. I'll be back next week. Here's some Tony Bennett for you, Ralph. Love Good night. You, we love you. See you. be around to pick up the pieces when somebody breaks your heart some somebody twice as smart as I a somebody who will swear to be true as you used to do with me who'll leave you to learn that misery loves company wait and see I mean I want to be around to See how he does it when he breaks your heart to bits. Let's see if the puzzle fits so fine. And that's when I'll discover that revenge is sweet as I sit there applauding from a front row seat when somebody breaks your heart